0: Kaha pae mai i nga toko o te ata ka As
1: the ray of the morning appears, we started.
0: E nga, iwi, e nga mana, e nga karangarangamaha, nau mai ki hōtaka āteahi kā. Ko I'm Mariah Rakraku And I'm Justin Murray. Welcome back to Thiahikah
1: here on Radio New Zealand National. This week I'm in a paddock with Dr Nick Roskridge, aka the potato man in the Manawatu, harvesting Taiwa Māori, Māori potatoes. Good, good lot of spuds that you're pulling up.
2: It's probably better than what we have been uh, pulling up in the other areas. There's some new diseases that have come in, and this is probably one of the better ones.
0: We'll hear from Nick and some of the whanau who helped out on the day. And in our archival segment coming up, it's 1987, and a newly established course in Māori journalism has begun in Rotorua.
3: We need to get Māori people not only at the reporting level, but also into the management level to become chief reporters and news editors, because often it's at that level that things go wrong.
1: Hmm. The question is: Today, has that changed? The tutor of that course at the time, a Horangi
0: Genesis man, Chris Winitana, and a couple of the students coming up soon. Reira mā, kōrero, mō That's what's coming up in the next hour. If you're in the theatre world, you would have, at some stage, encountered Media George and Honi of Tawata Productions. The Wellington-based duo
1: spent some time with Maraia recently.
4: Kia ora, ko Honi Kauka a uh, Ngāti uh, Ngāti uh, Ngāti Kahununu, uh, Ngāi Tahu. Uh, uh, o iwi. Uh, kia ora, my name's Honi I'm a writer, producer, director for... Uh, theatre and film etc and have been fortunate enough to be an artist uh, probably for the last 15-16 years full time worked in the film industry and just recently come back to the world of art of theatre, not that film isn't art but um, so that's been a a revelation I should say in a very positive and negative way having a look at what's uh, on the landscape, what's not on the landscape, what what uh, we as Tawata feel should be on the landscape. Um, yeah, so that's me. Kia ora.
5: Uh, kia ora te no ko Miria George ahau, uh, nō horohoro o uh, um, ko kia roa te marae, ko Ngāti Teorearawa, ko Ngāti Kearooku hapu, ko kia roa kuhapu. Ko te te iwi. Um, I'm a producer and a writer for Tawata Productions. Um, I'm based in Wellington now and have been for the last 10 years, but always like to get home to Horohoro whenever I have the chance. Um, I've been writing for eight years and producing probably for about six or seven years now, producing theatre. Uh, We've just had the experience of Tawata Productions producing our first short film. So Huni and I are trying to grow the company from a theatre company into a theatre and film company.
0: So as artists, as writers, was it inevitable that you would end up creating a production house? And what I mean by inevitable, you know, for you to get your work out there... To do it on a regular basis and to contribute to, to Māori theatre?
5: I think it is. I think the landscape within which I entered into the industry, there was really only one option and that was to self-produce. I was really fortunate to work alongside Hune, which is how I began working with Tawata and have now just become a part of it. You can't get rid of me. But Having the ability to produce your own work means that you, you're responsible for when your work can happen, when it goes on stage, and you're also responsible for what is seen on stage and what takes place on stage. You have more creative control over your own work, which is um, for me the most important part of, of being a producer, being a self-producing writer as well as producing for others.
4: And for me, uh, it wasn't about producing um, my own work or media's work. It was actually, for, for me personally, it was um, what I saw wasn't there. Um, just uh, I tend to be the type who sits back and has a look at, what, at what's happening or what's not happening. And what was happening and what I envisaged was a lot of uh, Māori theatre, Well, what I'm interested in, and Pacific Island theatre. was really televisual, Um and uh, it was having been away from theatre in particular for about five years. It was really interesting watching it and and not really that interested in the growth in it. So, so as I said, it wasn't really about producing our own work, it was about producing work in general. And that was one of the reasons to get involved with it. Um, and um, once I left the film commission, I was a, a development executive there. Um, just... To reintroduce myself into the world of theatre, into the world of writing, you know, just to see uh, how, what, uh, what level was Māori theatre working at in this country, uh, what's the quality of the work that's being done or uh, isn't being done, and uh, who's controlling it. That's the other side of it as well. That um, I think, as media just mentioned, there was, you know, there, there are limited opportunities to get, get in. And a lot of it had to do with uh, festivals dictating what work went into those festivals, the size, the shape, the, you know, the sound of it. Um, and that's not just Māori work, that's the New Zealand theatre in general. Um, and also the big theatres, you know, um, what what they were dictating so much at the time. So personally what I found is that you weren't really hearing what uh, a lot of Māori um, writers wanted to say or what was you know um, re- in response to um, the the world that we live in, at at this present time. So it was a really interesting challenge, and something that you know it's, it's a little that I, I personally I enjoy, and I think media does as well. To, and just creating stuff, and and stuff. What I mean is is work of a certain standard, of a certain quality. And that it actually says something and it's articulating something and, and really strongly as well.
0: So if we can just go back to what you were saying before about uh, festivals and they're determining the shape and the shape of something that goes and offers itself to them does that mean that what they're then doing is determining what the audience is actually seeing so if you're a Māori production house or if you've got a story that maybe doesn't quite fit in with what a mainstream expectation of Māori story is yeah, that creates other layers of um, difficulty around stereotyping around um, around the co-pop of a project
4: yeah totally um if I can yeah uh, uh, I, I mean what what our own artists have to take responsibility for this as well you know a lot, um just sitting back and watching what was happening, um, a lot of people just wanted a gig, you know uh, let's be very I'm being very honest about that, that people were determining their art by just scoring a gig and getting it in there. Um, what I mean by the festivals is that, look, they're a great vehicle, but they were starting, as I think what you're alluding to, they're starting to dictate um, what work was created. Um, a lot of it had to do with the size of it. You, you know, um, There were so many small two-handers or one-handers rocking around, and you're going, how as an art form can you expand and, and develop from that? You just can't. Um, yes, there were exceptions, were bigger pieces that were put f- put through, um, but they're exceptions. So uh, you know, that's uh, th- there was a shift that direction, and, uh, and personally, I feel there's a need for us as artists to take more responsibility yeah. and more control.
0: But then it's also <coughs> having responsibility to the community yeah. that you're writing yeah. and portraying, isn't it? Yeah, yeah,
5: yeah. yeah. A good example of. Um, Something that happened with Tawata last year was a festival director with one of our shows, um, which is a show that many of you may have heard of, Hideo he Aroha. I know you've interviewed Jamie and Carly um, last year. Uh, a festival director was considering to have the show take place in their festival, but the first thing they had to do was change the name. And of course, the name had to be changed into Te Parkia a love story is what he changed it to. He'd made that decision himself and then began to contact other people um, about a play called A Love Story. Um, Again, one of the first edits that he wanted of the play was um, to shorten a monologue by one of the characters' uncle, Um, and the monologue was all in Te Reo Māori. Uh, it's, it's up to us, it's up to Tawata, and, which is what we did to put to put our foot down and just to ensure that if they're going to commit to this play, this show, then they have to take everything with it. It includes a Māori title and it, it includes monologues and in te reo Māori. Um, you know, and these are really, I mean, for us, I guess, the, we had always considered them to be really simple elements of the show, uh, did they end up becoming
0: bottom lines. And does, was, it yeah, was, I, bottom I mean, line it
4: was never a problem yeah. um, overseas. No. you know, the player had gone to Canada and had gone to the States and in Australia, and it wasn't an issue at all. It was only when you come home.
0: And why is that? Ask him. And do you yeah. find <laughs> that being? Do, have you found that being that staunch has uh, limited opportunities for Tawata Productions?
4: No, no, far from it. Or why? you
0: know, perceived to be staunch.
4: Uh, yeah, there, there is a perception. Yeah, yeah. There,
5: and it's funny. There yeah. is a perception, and I just think, you should meet the rest of, you know, the fun. You <laughs> should meet our parties. You want to see Exactly. And yeah. it's, I think, uh, in the case of that festival director, I really think he's underestimating his audience because I, I believe that there is an audience out there and uh, he's maybe a little old-fashioned, and thinks that his audience are not going to be able to come to a show that has a Maori title. But media, why? I
0: mean, does it just apply to theatre? I mean, you have opera touring the world for yeah. for centuries, yeah,
4: yeah. in be-
0: different languages, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
4: It's because we're here in Aotearoa. Yeah, that's yeah. where it comes down to. And it, so it's it, that it racism may, that yeah. still exists. Yeah. it's personal prejudice Māori. in regards to things Maori. Yeah. You know. And in regards to the quality of Mori art, and it doesn't really, you know, one of the things that I personally, again, found coming back in is, oh, right, we have to prove again how good we are, that we're better than everyone else. Mm-hmm. And that's always a mantra that just kind of run through. And and actually, at times, it gives you the tenacity to drive through things. Yeah. It gives you the tenacity um, to take bigger risks and going, okay, we... And, and it's exciting to take those risks. That's the thing, um, coming back into the theatre world, there wasn't the the realm of excitement there that had been there previously. And it doesn't mean that it's because there was a venue or anything like that. It's just, it's artists. It's up to the community itself. And that's one of the big things with Tauatau is about us pushing hard to create a community. You know, pushing really hard and, and being open to others coming in and going, look, once you're part of this whānau, you're part of this whānau, you know. Um, we, and um, to upskill people to ensure that they can stay in this art form as well. That's one of the things, too, that people drop in and out of it. And if you can find ways to have people who are multi skilled, so an example, um, a Tamil Sri Lankan piece that we put together, uh, that we supported, I should say, uh, called The Morning After. By uh, Ahi Um You know, he worked for us as an associate producer, but we said to him very early on, You're an artist, we will produce your show at some point. When it gets to a, a level, a quality level in the grass of the script, we will put this thing on. And that's how it worked. So therefore, you have got someone who can work as a producer as well as an artist at the same time. So they've got their multi-skilled. There's more likelihood that they will remain in this art form longer. They'll gain maturity. They'll gain experience. Through experience, you know, you, you gain wealth and you gain strength. So that's a big part of us as well. You, you, you know that um, in staying with the community thing, it, it's just, it's a, I think the word that keyed in for me is responsibility. Accepting responsibility, you know what responsibility is. You know, um, at, to what degree should you accept that responsibility? Um, and I think I can speak for media is that we take it really seriously. Our role, you know, and yeah, yeah, like you, people laugh. Go, go. Gee, you guys are hilarious, and and that's good, because you go, yeah, you know it's tough, but um, to be honest, that uh, that consistency of what's being put forward, again and again, people know where you're at, where you come from, what your co kaupapa is, you know, how you articulate that it's got a very strong business uh, practice behind it as well, you know, that it's not just this political side of it, so people are learning the entire package, that um, I think what we are finding is that there are some organisations who aren't used to people or artists pushing back and going, oh no, that's cool, we don't need that, and you you know because as I said you know a lot of we have to take responsibility ourselves and to be honest you know there may be occasions that you may not score a gig but in the long term you may get something because you held out and you stayed staunch with it you will have that credibility you know within your own community you'll have your credibility within your own practitioners that they go I know where these cats stand this is where they stand and I will roll with them as well you know I will support them. Yeah.
0: So from what you're saying, Honey, it sounds like it's a lot of self monitoring and self-management. I mean, but who do you measure yourself against out in the community? I mean, out in the, in the industry?
4: <coughs>
0: or is it your experience through takiroa? I mean, how do you measure yourself?
4: Basically, <coughs> okay. uh, again, having a look at the landscape and seeing what's not there and what, what practices aren't being followed. You know it's not that everyone else should follow the same practices that you, but you can see things quite clearly and going that's not working you know um that has got uh you know with some companies that has got a practice that doesn't work for us, that we believe doesn't work for our people you know we there's a constant need that we the both of us do is that we re uh re- constantly re- look at ourselves and going, this is not good enough. We need to do this better. We need to do that better. We need to work in this area here. We're not actually communicating to these people here. We really need to do that, you know. And it's hard work. Yeah, it's time-consuming, but that's all we're doing at the moment, you, you know. And a lot of people are coming on board because they like it. They like what it is. It's very clear mm-hmm. what's being articulated. It's very open in regards to it. Um, we have to keep working to keep that openness or the, even the perceived openness out there for the community. Um, just find that a lot of the time the community is small-minded and you just keep pulling people in. If they don't want to be dragged in, that's not that too bad, you know. <laughs> We're going to stay open and keep inviting you and keep putting it out there because that's what we've been taught, that you, you, you know you don't shut things down because the, the more you shut things down the smaller it's going to get the bigger you are the harder you are to stop and that's what we're building is momentum is, is really what it's all about and building fano and whānau, mm. yeah because there have been uh, and a very simple way we do that is, is just social structures you know you know, or just gatherings. Get our people together, get our people talking, and things will happen, Mm. you know. They're very, very, there's a lot, and also one of the differences I found coming back in, I was a baby in the early 90s and was very fortunate to be looked after by people like... um, Olivia Brown, Ringmoana Taylor, Apirana, Roma Portiki, you know, um Don Selwyn, I can go on to me to me to me you know, but the thing was that they gave you the confidence and that's really how I see my role personally and and our role as Tawata is to give people confidence. So they go you're fabulous. You know, we'll do this. We think what you've got to say is um relevant it's important, um, you know, um, all, all of these elements. And, and the other part, part of it for us as Tauta is we're very strategic, very, very strategic. Um, example, as Media said of He Aruha, um, is let's, let's create a calling card that's really um, so open and welcoming, it's not funny, so that there's no non-Maori audiences are, are, just relax with it. They go with it and you mm. go, Oh yeah, these people <coughs> this is easy. We can go with these people. Yeah. So I mean I'll hand it to media and answer well, it's, it's
5: interesting when you like how when you describe Hero Aruha that's exactly what the show is. And yet what we came up against with that festival director is what we're facing all the time here. And that was one of our most accessible, friendly, warm, loving shows. It's a romantic comedy. It's a musical. It's so inoffensive, and yet there are still continuous barriers. But I think the best thing is, like what Winnie was saying, because we're constantly checking in with ourselves, we're checking in with um, the tawata whānau. Once we know we have a strong whānau and we know we have strong methods of working, probably the strength of tawata is that we have this arm that tours internationally, and so then we can take our work onto a world stage and just see how it measures up. And these are both in uh, Indigenous world stages as well as mainstream stages. And so you get to you get to see both worlds and how our work compares and, and what we may have to do or don't have to do or just... Um, continue checking ourselves to always ensure that, we, that our work has a quality, that our integrity is, is firm it's, uh, yeah, it's been exciting times, yeah, exciting it's, times it's, but always challenging.
4: Incredibly exciting and, and also um, get coming back into it it, it was, um, I'll give you the example of just being a writer you know, um, I hadn't written something for about six years and was incredibly nervous when a piece of mine went up last year going, okay are you any good at this? You know, um, you've got a, a pretty much a rock star cast there who who support you with it. Um, but are you any good at this? And it taught me to go. We do not have all the information. We do not have all the knowledge. We do not have all the skill base. You know, so constantly look to those people. If you are not strong in, in tikanga, ensure that there was someone there who is. Mm. You know, and that um, as I said previously. That, but that's not the only role. That um, you know, yes, that's their strength. But what what's their weakness? How can we strengthen their weakness? Uh, uh, you, you know, and so it's constantly a two way thing. Yeah, so um, that's kind of one one big way of of looking at it. So that you don't have all the answers.
0: Um, but as Tawata productions, you're operating on all different levels aren't you yeah. so you're building you know you're building your whanau like in a practical sense yeah. of yeah. lighting design <coughs> producers yeah. directors, yeah. writers yeah. now one of the ways that you are building writers is in a festival, the yeah. Masiki development festival that you have that you have around
5: yeah 2011 is the um, is the second year of the Masiki development festival. It's an international indigenous playwrights festival, which basically means we are developing three new plays, two by Māori writers and one by a First Nation Canadian writer. We created it. uh, It's actually based on uh, Wasagi Chak Begins to Dance Festival in Toronto, Canada. um, That festival was created by Native Earth, uh, which is a very old First Nation Canadian theatre company. It's about 30 years old now. They've had this festival for about 23 or 24 years, and it's developing new work by writers, by new writers as well as senior writers. Um, it's, uh, we have nothing like this in Aotearoa at the moment. Um, what makes it really special is that it's an entirely indigenous environment. We have our uh, our script editors or our dramaturgs are all uh, senior Māori playwrights. Uh, the First Nation Canadian play will be um, accompanied. The writer will be accompanied by a senior First Nation Canadian playwright as well, who will who will act as the key developer. The great thing about this festival, it means that not only the writer, but actors, um, script editors can all learn to upskill and to how to contribute to the development of a new play. Uh, Every healthy theatre community uh, has new work. If you don't have new work, you have to ask yourself, what are you doing wrong? Because if there's no new work, then it's not reflecting uh, the stories um, and the ch- the challenges, the issues of your community right now. That's why for Tawata, this festival is so important. Uh, this year we have uh, Hineka Mako uh, with her new play. She's our uh, our new playwright, as well as Jamie McCaskill with his new play. He's had more experience. He's been writing for um, quite a few years now. But it's just it's just a platform to ensure that new work can be developed safely i think if you talk to a lot of um not only maori but um just non uh pakeha playwrights probably most of them would have been in uh uncomfortable situations where where you're you're not feeling safe creatively that um yeah, it's it's just... Where you have to defend
0: we, a position or an action exactly, or something and exactly. you just don't feel you have the energy to keep on doing that constantly. Exactly.
5: It's difficult to try and develop new work and new ideas when you're constantly defending your perspective or having to educate those around you as to your perspective. And that it has validity. And yep. that it has validity. So yep. it's... Um, yeah. What,
4: by the very existence, it has validity in regards to what we we're you know putting forward, and that's how it works. Um, yeah. As one of the old boys, um, it's <laughs> really exciting just seeing the all that people have to say. You know, what what's important to people that they will pour hours into creating this thing because they feel that this is not something that needs to be said. That's something that needs to be seen and um, that's one again, media is correct that the jewel in our crown is the Matariki development Festival.
0: And for a burgeoning talent, it's again, it's contributing to the confidence of totally. the writer. Yeah. That, you know, what I have to say yep. does have value. Yeah. Yeah. Totally.
4: Yeah. And uh, the intention for us is that it's not it has to have a practical element. Everything needs to have a practical element as in let's see, let's get this to a certain point, Um, but also it's about, yeah, it's totally about confidence. It's totally going, okay, do you want to do this again? And 100% of people said, yes, I do, and that's what you want. You know, you go, so they'll they'll do this again. It was a good experience. It was a a, a nourishing experience for them, but not just for them, but in in general. Mm -hmm. Um, Having the First Nations people there as well, um, You get they've got a different sound to us, you know, and that's really important. It's really important for us not to get so uh, almost to the point of being smug in our, own, in our own sound that we're important and everything like that and that other Indigenous people, um, you know, have a different way of approaching things. And and it very much last year's experience was a great that it was a learning process both ways. You know, the Canadians were just blown away how, how raw and uh, how gutsy we are. We'll just jump in anywhere. Um, and our people were really interested in um, just the the distance, the sound, you know, that the the work that was put forward almost um, not replic- replicated, but was close to it. The landscape. Mm. It's a massive country. Yeah. So the way that they approach things is quite different from us, you know, the um, the climate, etc. Um, yeah, I mean, the other thing this year as well is that we've um, been talking with an Aboriginal practitioner, so. It's really important to have those different edges. because but you
0: have those relationships too, don't yeah, you, with other totally. Indigenous yeah. that you would have connected up with at various festivals yeah. and yeah. different events that you've been to at the same time.
5: Yeah. And those, those networks, those um, relationships always need continuous nurturing.
4: I truly believe that we're on the cusp of a wave of something um, exciting and incredible and that I want to be part of it. And that's one of the reasons I personally want to get involved with this thing because you can, I can see something. I, I was fortunate enough to be there in the nineties when there was the first big wave, and just went whoa, okay, I've seen this before. Um, but Has it's just up, been a bit of a lull. Oh, maybe? there's been a huge lull. Yeah,
5: there was when I entered um, when I entered into Mardi um, Theatre. Um, and what time was that, media? That was that was a couple of years ago, maybe two thousand and two <coughs> or three. It, there was. It was a very barren landscape. Yeah. And ringing in my ears were the, you know, the golden stories of the 90s. And yet somehow we had come to a place where there was, um, you know, I think we were beginning to see a complete desertion of Māori voices, Māori work on main stages in New Zealand. It was a very barren yeah, time.
4: because we weren't controlling it. That's what it was.
5: Like Māori aren't controlling That's it? That's right. Mm-hmm.
4: Totally. There was, a, there was uh, give you an example that we were the top top end of theatre in the country, in the mid to late '90s. You know, I don't have any any problem saying that at all. We were leading everything and everyone. We had new writing. We had this energy to us. Um, the bigger theatres started to pick it up and started to produce their own shows, and then they couldn't work out why it wasn't doing the same thing. It's because we weren't leading it. It's as simple as that. Because that, 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 what was being created was something different. And so, therefore, when you've got a Maori lead from the top to the bottom, it makes such a difference. Um, it's, it doesn't always work, but 99% of the time, it gives a totally different sound than if it's not led by Maori. If that makes if that makes sense. So, so
0: could that be assisted by having a dedicated theatre space, honey?
4: Oh, space will do it. I, I think as people, you know, I, I honestly yes, space will help, but um, we don't have one, so let's get over it. You know, let's actually create. Um, uh, um, let's create work first, before saying we need a space to create work. Going, that's just an excuse. No, you need the stories. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And people, people are what create that. So that's kind of how I look at that and going, yes, a space would enhance everything. There's no denying that. But actually, we have to start to dominate and we have to start to get out front of everyone else again. And the only way you're going to do that is by creating something that's not there, something new.
0: What about the regurgitation of pieces that were that have been out for some time or you know they were first
4: restaging pieces yeah yeah okay Um, when you look at most other theatre companies they only restage something because it's a classic yeah
5: what classifies a classic
4: well well, what classifies a classic is something that still um, has resonance over today's um, climate you know uh, example the behutakawa tree has resonance because it was groundbreaking yeah Okay, so that's one of the reasons why you really look at those sorts of things and also looking at them and going, what does it say about now? Mm. Is it articulating something about now? You know, why are we putting, you know, you constantly need to ask those questions about why is this coming up now? Why does this need to be done now? Why Why is this more important than a new voice? Yeah. yeah? But again, it's it's also different models. For us, we're, we're different. We want to do new stuff. Yeah. It's so exciting just seeing this being generated and seeing this being created. Um, and and as I said, I've been fortunate enough to be in a position when was with a takirua with Tanya uh, Hike, you know, um, and just going, let's lead this. Let's show these people something different they've never seen before. And people liked it. Audiences liked it. You know, we were... Streets are here everyone else. Everyone wanted to come in our direction. And that's that's what I think we as Māori are very good at. We're very, very good at leading it because we don't have the same rules in the Western sphere as mm-hmm. everyone else. So we don't need to play by their rules. We can recreate them for ourselves. That's why for me as a practitioner, when I saw the play Fatu Naro Naro by Hiara um I was just blown out of this world going whoa, you guys have got everything and anything, but it's so so mildy. it's not funny. And just going, okay, I get it. I get what I can do here. I can just change the rules constantly. And that's something that I, as I said really early on, the televisual thing, going, why are we stepping back into something that's comfortable when actually, if you want energy, if you want people to come, just keep, we have enough experience right across the board... There's no longer any excuse not to have Māori directors, There's, you know. We have some of the top-end directors in, in this country, you know, Rachel House, Katie Wolfe, you know, Christian Penny at Toi Whakare, all over the place. There is no excuse now. Our people, because it gives, you know, the caro is all about us and from our, our point of view. So it's, you know, but again, you cannot make or, or force others to follow that way. Yeah. And that's what we want to do.
5: Yeah. And I i mean, my opinion is I don't think there is really a need to restage works, um, whether they be classics or not, at this point in time, I feel like there are so, well, we can see, we talk to them every day, so many uh, new writers, so many established writers, so many actors who have ideas to write or producers or stage managers who also have ideas for stories. There are so many people there who have stories that they want to tell that it almost feels like an excuse to draw on these older works. I do think it's lazy because it does take a lot of time, a lot of money, a lot of skill to uh, develop new work. There's a lot of personal investment in those new writers. But how else are you going to develop a healthy community, a healthy theatre community.
0: If
5: you're community. not going to put time into it, yeah, mm. and serve your community. Um, I yeah, for us the the artist, the artist leads um, whatever work we, we do do, because obviously Huni and I are both writers first, um, and then we are producers. And I think that has always been our strength. And this is why the Matariki Development Festival is so important, because it's a writer-led initiative. We've identified a need in our landscape, in our creative landscape, for an opportunity to develop new writers in particular environments. And, and it works. It does work. That's why we're back again. So the Matariki Development Festival takes place um, from the 20th of June to the 25th of June. We're based at Circa Theatre in Wellington. Uh, We have a really lovely relationship with Circa Theatre and again, it's don't underestimate your community because I know many people find our relationship with them to be quite unexpected but um, it's a developing relationship and it's... It's really positive. Uh, So we're based at Circa and we'll also be based at the City Gallery. On the 24th and 25th of June, we'll be presenting readings of these brand new works to the public. It is all free of charge. Um, So if you um, check in with either tawata.wordpress.com or the Tawata Productions Facebook page, It'll have the times of the readings, but these readings will be taking place in the afternoon at the City Gallery on the 24th and 25th of June. Hemihiteene kia ku
0: tahi, media George our ku honekouka of Tawata Productions. Now, all the details of the Matariki Development Festival can be found at our website, radionz.co.nz forward slash teahika. We're going to head along, we'll see you there. Don't be shy about coming up and saying kia ora. Now, speaking of all things
1: Matariki, over the next few weeks we're checking out Matariki happenings around the Mutsu. Be sure to fill us in on Facebook if you have anything coming up. I'm Justine Murray. And I'm Miraya Rakuraku and this is Te Ahika. Throughout our country are place names that memorialise events. Now, where I'm from there's Katikati kati, or Te Katikati kati A Kapua. Kati, kati, the Māori word, means to nibble, and tamate kapua is the name of a tupuna. So, Te kati at kapua, during tamate kapua and his travels, he stopped in that place to nibble on some food. So, Te kati, kati, the nibbling of tamate kapua.
0: A hill close to Porongahau, near Waipukuro in Hawke's Bay, Kahununu, carries the longest place name. The summit where Tamatea, the man with the big knees, the climber of mountains, the land swallower who travelled about, played his nose flute to his loved one. Tamatea is the father of Kohonunu, from whom the iwi within that area takes its name. Māori historical figures often
1: carry names that demonstrate certain aspects of their character, for example, Toi Kairako, the wood eater or eater of trees, so named because of
0: the rate he cut down trees. Even today, there are names that stick. So, if I said potato man, I'd think Nick Roskridge, the Mass University
1: based lecturer, is all things Taiwa, Māori potatoes. We met him a few months ago when I interviewed his doctoral student, Zersha Farimate, who's studying the nutritional
0: benefits of Taiwa Māori. Justine visited again recently and joined in the harvesting of this year's crop. You've been harvesting today?
6: Harvesting to get the last of our crops out, but we've actually been this morning in another paddock, so we're just coming to clean up this paddock, you'll see. But we've got a few rows of taewa just to take out, and um, there's some good pūha there as well, so I'm going to do a big pick of that before we get too far down the track. So you'll be able to catch up with these young ones
1: and their uncles. (laughs) And though Are there lots of varieties of Taiwa being grown in, here?
6: In this paddock, um there was about four plus one parkia one just as to compare. We just had to mix the parkia one so that we could see how well they were doing compared to the parkia one. But a, a good crop in here, nice crop. So the main one we'll pick is two taikuri and the other one um the white portal portal are the two main ones that we haven't dug yet. So you'll you'll see soon.
1: The two Thai kuri is, uh sometimes peru-peru as well.
6: Sometimes ure-nika. <laughs> ure
1: ure-nika. Uh, ure so Dr Nick's going to pick <laughs> him yeah. some puha, some puha-reka.
6: This was an irrigation trial. So they did different rates of irrigation to see the difference in, in right. the, the end yield. So this was an irrigation trial. But um, we dug it a few weeks ago and now it's just tidying up what's left, what we hadn't taken out the first time. So um, then we let the paddock get cleaned up, let the sheep in to clean it up.
1: And so right now you can hear the tractor and uh, it's going basically down the crop, digging up the uh, kāiwa or the Māori potatoes. We have a couple of uncles from this area, from the Manawatu. Um, digging up some of the potatoes, so have a quick check to one of the uncles. So, so what? What are you? What are you doing now?
7: Picking up the, picking up these buds. <laughs> oh, no, 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 what, the, what are you Are
1: these peru? Here
7: are. Come Is this Oh no!
1: Why is it like that? Too much water.
7: They've been here too long, eh? But look at all. This might be anyway. <laughs> I've got, I've got your... Is there a technique to so these these are kuruparara, aren't they? What are these ones? what are these taiwa?
1: Kuruparara.
7: No. putara. Tutai kuri, no. No 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 these are not to kuri. Tutai kuri might be over further. No, these are kuruparara. <laughs> <laughs> what are you are
1: you from? Eh? What, what, where are you from?
7: Uh, I'm originally from Taranaki, but I, I, I live in um, in Bulls uh, in the Rangitikei at the moment. I've been there for been there in the Rangitikei since '58. We come here, our landlines come back to us. Quite a long time. So when I retired, I i up living in Bulls. Hey, Pete, what are you ones? Pete? Peter, Pete. What are these buds?
1: What do you think's the secret to growing good Māori Kai?
7: Well, uh, well there's no the, the big secret this year. They got all that viruses and especially the spuds. I grew. Um, I grew grow spuds. specialise in spuds, I. Eh? But with that that virus that that, that hit hit the marriage buds, not all about. Um, well, in the one mate, they got now, the One where and all, all the marriage buds that I grew at home, uh, well, they were bugged all the way. But went, went very many. And the ones I grew up on, the uh, Mariat Rata, I got n- n- nothing under them. Uh, all Maori spuds. Karuparara uh, uh, and huakaroro. Uh, and all they got on them, little spuds like that. Oh, oh. It was it was that they that that, virus so that very, they could very, contact today.
1: Um,
7: were they edible, though? Uh, well yeah yeah though you can eat them, but some of them some were like that, eh? Like little yeah. well, we, marbles. I, I, I grew them actually for uh, for our family reunion. And uh, when I dug, dug, dug them for that bugger all. How big would a patch be? Yeah. So, from where the chick is, about that square, and I've uh, uh, got about a sugar bag full. bet two, I sugar bag. How long were you in the
1: garden just to get a sugar bag
7: full? Well, well, well I've well, room for the, um, for the, for the, eh? for the, uh, for the, uh, uh family reunion.
1: So, Henry, a little birdie told me that you're 80 years old.
7: Yeah. Whoo! I was born in 1930.
1: And look at you, you're still fit as a fiddle, eh?
7: do about that.
1: <laughs>
7: <laughs> My sister's uh, about eighty-four. <laughs> Her and I are the two left there of When you look at it, we we keep ourselves active or, or busy. I suppose is the term you use.
1: And is gardening one of those ways of keeping fit?
7: Yeah, yeah. yeah well, most of the time, I was gr- uh, growing spuds and vegetables and that, even for the over by the mariah, for the mariah. And here, uh, yeah. going for them.
1: So Henry Cunningham here in um, ploughing up uh, Maori Taiwa. Now we're in a um, we're uh, just opposite the road from the Massey uh, University campus. This is where they uh, they plant their uh, crops and they harvest. <laughs> what do you think the overall quality of the of um, the crop is, uh,
7: oh, here, Henry? It's quite it's it's quite good, quite good. That's some quite good. Um, Looks like it's got some quite good spuds in there, eh? They've got quite nice sized spuds. Look at them. Nice sized buds, eh? So they, that's quality. Be good. Be good. It's interesting to eat them and see what they, uh, what they'll eat like, eh? Because they're quite big.
1: Would you just cook these like boil? Are these boiling taiwa?
7: Oh, basically, yeah, basically.
1: Anything.
7: Most probably. Those birds you can boil them and roast them and do all that sort of stuff, I'm not sure. But they're quite nice, look at them. Hey. Well that's a big one. Hey, big bud, hey? yeah. Yeah, that's a big bud. Well that'd be about six six ounces I suppose, maybe. Yeah.
1: So Henry's just uh, in the uh,
7: pretty damp soil, actually. I'm going to give you buddy back with the potato. Do you want me to bring your bucket? Want
1: me to bring your bucket
7: up there? There you go, Henry.
1: So the ground is pretty sodden, actually. Now that I'm walking over it, some of the Fano here. There's about seven of them. All picking Paiwa. Uh, Good, good lot of spuds that you're pulling up.
2: It's probably better than what we have been uh, pulling up in the other areas. Because there's some new diseases that have come in and. It's probably one of the better ones.
1: So, are, the, are these crops susceptible to some of those diseases? Yeah. Yeah. Well, do we know what what disease it is and how it's formed?
2: It's. Uh, I'm not a scientist, but but uh, it's a type of salad that bores into the stem of the potato and kills it. Yeah.
1: So, from the roots.
2: Yeah, it's important into the plant and kill, kills it, and anything that grows down the bottom is kouamate.
1: What type of taiwa is this? Uh, to me, it really looks nice like
2: a, a, uh, no, a more variety more. we call uh, karu pareda.
1: Oh, karu pareda. Yeah, I think it is. So it's a small, average-sized purple potato? And Normally, normally it's more.
2: got light-coloured eyes, but it's... These are moimu. Are more they? dark Oh, well, anyway, I told you. I just saw some white on the eyes on some of them.
1: Is the soil in good condition? That's what. Just uh, the, the texture of the soil. This is. Yeah.
2: Where we were before, it's uh, it's too wet. You know, it's. Yeah. Uh,
1: so if it was more drier, you would it used. would be easier to. Um,
2: I think we we're, we're a little bit late in the season should Have dug them earlier, a month earlier or something.
1: Tell any stories about when you were a tamariki, about um, any recipes?
2: I thought about recipes, but we always, everyone in our area had a garden, and everyone we, we, we were a farming family like a lot of us in the early days, and everyone had a, I suppose, a garden about an acre, each household, so you grew everything from. From Taiwan to Kumara, watermelons, everything, corn, yes. Yeah. But I think everyone didn't know that. So.
1: And how, in your opinion, have Taiwa the size, the taste, the textures changed over time?
2: Well, it's just an opinion, but I think the new varieties they they're actually made to increase the tonnage. To me, and sometimes they lose the flavour of what the earlier varieties were. That's me. Yeah, Ko Aotene, yeah, that's fine. Called Peter Richardson. Mm-hmm. Aho, ah, ah, no ngati kawa me ngati tu faretoa. Ah, he pakuwa no 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 me te ati no ya paparangi mm-hmm. o
1: no, um, Nick was saying that you had a few issues with your bumper crop this,
2: <laughs> <laughs> this yeah, no, well, I think it is that new disease. That it's potato cylinder, what they call it, that and it's a fly that um, lays eggs on the potato stem when it's when it's flourishing and growing and how they come into flower at that stage, and then they bore into the into the stem of the potato, lay their eggs and and all these little uh, apid-like uh, like um, babies, I suppose, their young feed on the plant and kill it.
1: How rampant or how often is this psyllid bug cropping up?
2: I think it's only been in about the last three years in that I know of, but it seems to be spreading throughout the, the motu. Mm. Um, but they seem to be finding different... Um, you know, different sprays, if you like, or different ways of trying to combat it or kill it. But it's, yeah, it is, it's prevalent in our area.
1: But so what do you think of um, Dr. Nick's Mahi <laughs> as, uh, as the potato man of, of uh, Manawatu?
2: Oh, he's the Mahi. No, um, his Mahi's good because um, he's uh, found all these different varieties that are in the different areas in New Zealand that the old people have sort of kept and he's trying to uh, um, increase the amount of seeds so that everyone will grow them and that they belong to everyone. So, yeah, uh, his mahi is good mahi. Um, there's a lot of varieties, you know, from different areas that um, that probably, uh, you know, they're beneficial to us because we, we've found them again, eh? The old people used to grow. Yeah, so I don't know how many varieties he's got, but he's... At different times. I'm sure he's got over 20 different varieties of Māori potato, or more.
1: Do you think Māori potatoes um, are becoming more readily available for for whānau around Aotearoa who want to um, maybe tune towards from mainstream potatoes to to Māori taiwa?
2: We hope we hope people do. We hope Māori do, especially because um, he started some, uh, you know, some work with uh, schools. Um, so that the kids are growing them, growing Taiwa and, uh, you know, like kura Papa and kohanga
8: Aye.
2: so that they get an idea of growing them themselves and uh, become familiar with growing Māori crops. Yeah, so he initiated that and I think later on this year uh, he hoped to do another project with, uh, with this group at Massey Tahoudifena and also the Maori Women's well, Wealth, Welfare League and uh, National Kōhanga Trust, Kohangaril Trust to increase you know more participation in growing crops.
1: Aye, aye. Yeah, so. and so we're uh uh, picking well you know the fun we here picking up um riwa, taiwa and uh picking puha so uh, good 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 dinner tonight <laughs> <laughs> well what will you uh cook to accompany uh puha and uh and moi, moi type of uh taiwa?
2: well it's i think it's uh you've got to have a, a meaty <laughs> so <there's some> pork. <laughs> you gotta have pork with it yeah and uh you know with your puha and uh and uh, taiwa. might be a doughboy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and a doughboy with a flour and water, d- yeah, yeah. like a type of uh, I, I, dumpling. Yeah. Yeah.
2: dumpling. Now I'm sure they'll find a way to uh, have a lovely tea tonight, these young fellas. Especially um, Ngatai Tamo. <laughs>
1: yes, hard work does build up a, a bit of an a uh, appetite. Yeah, right. Well, kia ora mato, I won't leave you uh, much longer. I'll let you get back to your, you. to your marakai. Moi moi.
0: And they were delicious too. Justine also hauled back some puha and we had a boil up too. E kia ora Nick Roskridge no tannaki fanui. And we also heard sprightly 80 year old Henry Cunningham and Peter
1: Richardson. We've put some photos up on our webpage whanau ma. Head to radionz.co.nz forward slash te ka. You heard about the drive to have more of a visible Māori warden presence in downtown Wellington last week. Well, what's it like on the ground? Not so long ago, I met a warden doing his thing at Fanganui Memorial Hall.
0: I'm looking at your badge here. It says Māori warden, Manaki tanga, name Barry Harris. That I might is, just
9: call you tanga. That is the, the Māori wardens of Paa Rua.
0: I'm looking at you and you're clad in what I see as There's typical no, Māori uh, warden that, gear. It is
9: the number one uniform for during marais and festivals like this. Uwis and tangis.
0: No. Marty
9: Warden's working tonight? We've got eight tonight.
0: Do you always have that many? Not always.
9: It all depends on how big the function is that we're actually doing or the hooey. But we've been down and done the football bats down at Palmerston the other day and there was 30 odd Moirie Wardens down near Palmerston North and we are split up to four groups.
0: I guess what people don't realise their barriers that your
9: work is unpaid. It is. It's a, a remanding job. And it's unpaid, but I do it for the love of it. Do
0: you really love it? Yes, I do. Working late at night?
9: Yes. I've been Having in a, to
0: deal with stroppy drunk people at times?
9: Well, I've been in the, in the Mary Wardens 17 years now. And uh, I've only just got me a warrant about three years ago. I've been waiting 15 for it, so...
0: What made you join the Maori wardens?
9: Just the love of the Maori people.
0: Get you. <laughs> Are you Maori? I'm half. Half Māori, half Parkyard. Yes.
9: I've got two different parents. One's a Māori, one's a Parkyard, but they're both not with us no more. Yeah. But we're usually generally pretty pretty busy on, you know, for functions and stuff like that.
0: So tell me one of the most frightening things that happened to you that's happened to you when you've been working as a warden.
9: I haven't struck anything yet so far. I've been lucky all these years. Yeah, I've been yeah. my fingers. And, I, you know, being with, with Marys all my life um, and, and working on Marais and that, I know a little bit just to get enough to get me by, but to have a conversation with Mary, I've let myself down through that because I haven't actually gone and learnt Jirao language. So I've actually let myself down.
1: Kia ora, Barry Harris patrolling the Murikon Nui 100-year celebration held in
0: Whanganui a few weeks ago. In next week's broadcast, two members of the Susan O'Bear Sisters of Compassion Order, based along the Jerusalem River, talk about their relationship with Modico Station, the farming operation of the Incorporation. They were at the dinner as well.
1: It's an ongoing debate that the portrayal of Māori within media will only really change if Māori are involved throughout all levels of the industry shaping, determining, editing
0: and informing those stories. Sounds a bit like our earlier cordial with media, George and Honikauka of Tawata Productions, Justine, when they were saying the same thing about the theatre world. Ida, Well, in 1987, it was the then tutor of the
1: Māori journalism course, Chris Winitana, at Wairiki Polytechnic, Rutsurua, voicing his concerns. In this archival recording, you'll hear from Gabriel Huria, Denise Beckett, the host, Tim Ryle, and Chris Winitana. First up, Huria and Beckett discussing the advantages of being a Māori journalist.
8: I think we're different in that we can report on... Pākehā issues competently and we can also report on Māori issues and understand the backgrounds behind them. What's the difference between a Pākehā issue and a Māori issue then? I think the difference is that they're two, two separate cultures from, with different outlooks and different views and up until today the Pākehā view has been dominant in the media. Well, an example that I remember was with the Kawerau dispute last year. I saw a television programme that covered the dispute when the majority of families affected in it were Māori, and yet the people talking on the television programme, there were hardly any Māoris giving their opinion. Do you think that Māori events and coming more Māori events is important to the Māori
1: people? Well, yeah, because I think that there's been such a lack of it so far that there is a really great need for the Māori perspective to be heard and seen more.
8: Then what support have you found from the Māori people? Have you been given support from the Māori people in helping to write stories?
1: Yep, when I was uh, on my work experience and... Uh, a Maori person came in. I just knew by the look on their face that they were really happy to see me there, and uh, t- they felt heaps more comfortable talking to me than they would have otherwise. And and they and lots of people came back because they knew I was there.
8: Also, for me on my work experience, I came across people who had had um, who had been misreported before. In the media, when they saw that it was a Māori person that would be interviewing them, they felt that they would have a better understanding of what they were saying and that it might not happen again. And people that had refused to give interviews would would be were pleased to, to see me coming along and asking them for one.
4: Tutor Chris Winitana says the course is vital
3: if the Māori viewpoint is to be heard at all in the New Zealand media. His sister Carly, who completed the course asked him how the course will change this onato ku papa ia mai ki ahunga chikanga rotoite te tu ate toa o mua nana huki i to hutu mai ki ahou te mahikai tito waita nana huki ia mai tereo ahako he ti noi rote as a journalist I trained in 1980 at the Wellington Polytechnic, a thing I had to do because there was no Māori course, and I should say I felt pretty uncomfortable there being one or two, the only Māori really on a course of 50 or 54 students. Following that course I went on to the uh, Waikato Times in Hamilton where my whanau lived. Uh, I then went over to the Herald up in Auckland where I, I lasted for a year to the day, and then jumped across to Sunday News, where I stayed in their main office and as a branch reporter for about three years. And at the end of that, uh, So I went back to Hamilton to follow the Maori side of things, to do things like put a kohanga reo together for my nephews and nieces, to teach haka, waiata, and various other things along that front.
8: Well, does the
0: media cover Māori events adequately?
3: Not at all. No, I don't think they cover it at all. They don't do it justice. They don't, they don't even... Uh, it's like they've, they're looking through a keyhole in a door, but the door's not even open. That's, that's the sort of view that they have of the Māori world. It's through a keyhole, a very minuscule view. Uh, it's still very monocultural. There are, when, when you have Pākehā reporting, trying, reporters trying to cover Māori events that are fraught with pitfalls, um, then you are not likely to get a good product when you think about the treatment that the media gives the Waitangi, Waitangi Day. We, the, the readers, are expected to believe that there are 50,000, 50 million Māoris congregating at Waitangi every year, uh, banner waving, flag waving and doing all sorts of things. And all we ever hear about is riot-clad police who are going up there to keep the peace and control them. We never ever hear, he ha no te take o what, what, what is the reason why they are doing that? What is we, the, the media hasn't yet comes to, come to grips with covering the, that sort of thing. Taking another example that has been in the headlines very recently, and that is the land claim by the Tauranga people, or the Hapu Ngai Tama Rawaho. Uh, we, the reader, would be expected to believe that the riot-clad police again holding sledgehammers this time that seemed to be the focal point of the story what about is their lame is their land claim viable has anybody gone back into history and to, and to uncover what were the circumstances back in the turn of the century which led to their actions now so the the coverage is very superficial the they a po finua that was stuck into a grant to the ground that's called a sacred stick it is not a sacred stick it is a po With the whole cultural meaning behind it and those things can't be watered down like that glibly superficially Um, there are possibly millions of other examples but they all lead up lead up to and end up at the same door that is Maori people need to be brought into the system to cover Maori issues for Maori people as well as to help educate Pākehā people Unless that happens, we will still continue to have riot-clad police controlling these uh, activist Māoris, these radical Māoris, when the whole Māori world is a bit more than that. Another thing that has to be considered is we need to get Māori people not only at the reporting level but also into the management level to chief become chief reporters and news editors because often it's at that level that things go wrong. It is the chief reporter who will decide the worthiness of a piece of news. So to to answer the question very simply, no the media, at in its present state, does not cater at all for Māori issues, Māori people, Māori feeling, Māori thoughts, Māori aspirations, Māori teha.
0: So where does the course fit into this?
3: Our aim is to produce those journalists, to put them out, to cover all those things.
1: Well, what has to be done to get better Māori coverage?
3: I think more support financially, in whatever ways has to be given to the Wayariki course so that it is able to have the best tutors, the best facilities, to attract the best people to come and be taught the skills of journalism. Then they can be placed in the media, pushed into the media to as journalists to start covering, to start filling, bridging that gap that's been getting ever wider um, the further we go. That's what has to be done. More support has to be given to Waiariki, more more of everything has to be given. People have to wake up to the fact that there are Māori people who are more than capable, more than skilled, who are able to be journalists, competent journalists, and importantly, bilingual, bicultural journalists. They can cover anything, every, anytime, anywhere. Just as a, as a, as a last thought for, for us all, I remember in my training what an editor once said to me, He said to me a general reporter or any reporter should be able to cover anything, anytime, anywhere. And you know what the real take on that one is, only Māori journalists in this country can do that.
0: Kia ora, Chris Winikana, Gabriel Huria, Denise Beckett and the host, Tim Ryle. And where are they now? Well, Chris has composed, travelled the world, taught te reo Māori and still does in Tūrangi. Gabriel Huria has worked with the Māori Publishing.
1: Since 1987, a who's who of Māori broadcasters has graduated from the Wairiki Journalism
0: course and next month I catch up with them for a reunion. Because, yes, Justine was class of 1996. a Nick Ross, Ano, Mita Whakatauki, Wiki.
6: Kahapai, Mai nga toku o ata, ka mato. So, as the ray of the morning appears, we started. And that, to me, is a reference to good ethics in the relationship with Papatuanuku, so that we get out and work when the day is cool, when the the best time to achieve um, our results is, is not to struggle against. The weather, but to work with it. So the early morning is the best time, and the old people always worked before their breakfast. If you think about how they used to cook their clay through steaming and hangi. so they did several hours' work and then went back for clay. And this follows that that ethic of um, don't waste your morning, get up, make the best advantage, and um, and look to how the day progresses from there. Kona uh, ko na ko, uh, te ki ki te ta'i me. ko te mo no Te Kura Kaupapa o Tuahangaputai on, on Massey University.
0: I nai nei, he panui mo maharatanga i nei e whaiake nei. Over the last couple
1: of weeks, three more members of the 28th Māori Battalion have died. They are Tuhoi Takurua Tag Tākau, B Company, Ngāti Kahungunu, Darcy Nepia, C Company, and Roy Te Punga
0: of D Company. Moemai Tāne Mā. In next week's show, we've got Murikonui Station in Whanganui. Justine's in the garden again. This time, it's Rungoa Māori. Ki wiki
1: wiki wikiweke mihini, ka mau ke te wehi. himihi Ma atu kai kōrero.
0: Mai te whānau a te ahikā ki atatakatua, tātou katoa. Mauri
4: ora